Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, it's almost here, everybody. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha. We were presented by Omaha during the mere regular season, but that's over with. It's playoff time, everybody. The good times are here, especially if you're one of those 14 teams that snuck into this tournament. If you're on the outside, guess what? We're about to give you some reasons why you're still going to be watching fascinating storylines, some interesting betting tips specifically available on Friday on the 15-minute NFL pregame show. Track that down. Minus three pod on social media. It'll be on YouTube. I would guess right around midnight, Thursday, Friday morning, right there, Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. Look at him all dolled up in his rags gear. All right. That's a choice he's decided to make. He doesn't have any Giants football to look at. Kevin Hench, high atop Hollywood, sorrowful because his guy, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, are no more. Let's start with that, Kevin Hench. How you doing on an all-time stretch for big-time head coaches? If you haven't heard, Pete Carroll, gone from Seattle. Nick Saban, gone from Bama. And now Bill Belichick. Um, You know, well, I'm going to treat this as a celebration of a, of a quarter century of excellence un, unparalleled uh, across all the sports. I, I obviously think... Uh, football coach is the hardest job by far of the coaching professions. Football also has the hard cap, which makes it harder to repeat and repeat and repeat and, and to win six titles. So I'm feeling no pain. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, like Dr. Seuss said, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. And that's the, that's the headspace I'm in. And the fact is, I think it's pretty clear to our listeners that we don't, do any preparation for this podcast. No. And, and so it's nice when it writes itself. Cause you, you'd be surprised that I have a few thoughts on Bill Belichick. I want to hear more about those, but, and, oh, you, and, you know, yes, I know. And, you know, listen, I can't wait to dig in on these wild card games and the possibilities on the other side of these wild card results and the matchups that they could provide for the divisional round. I've said it before. Hey, all lower seeds, just get out of the way this year because the high seeds are where it's at. Let's have the true heavyweights wage war in the divisional round and beyond and settle some hash here for real. Although I wouldn't, I, I do have to, I think I should put an asterisk there and amend that. I wouldn't mind seeing the events in Western New York go a certain way. I know most people have decided that there's no chance that my favorite team the Pittsburgh Steelers will beat those bills, but we're going to get you right for all these games. Like I say, but yes, an overarching story, transcendent of just a season, the run of Belichick. People will do this for the next week or three. I do think the Nick Saban one is a little clear because anytime something like this happens, you have to have the debate. Where does he rank? Spoiler alert. The Nick Saban one's easy. He's the greatest of all time as a college football head coach. There's not a ton of reason to debate that. I think about the Belichick thing, and I don't mean to kick this forward. I know you're going to be in the rear view mirror where he's concerned, rightly so. Well, it, the sounds like you're, it sounds like you're about to embarrass yourself if, no. if you're, you're going to have trouble coming up with the best NFL coach of all time. It's not a, not a stumper. 
Well, I'll, I'll make my point about that in a second. But with Belichick, they can't get over. I know it's, I guess, better if you're a Patriots fan, although you know that he continues to exist now and is actively chasing another head coaching job. Okay, you don't love to see that. It's a little messy at the back end of some guy's career. Uh, but what about the other team? The, these teams that are desperate to get this 72-year-old man where, and when there are indications that maybe his approach is a little outmoded. But beyond all that, just the idea that he says, I'll always be a Patriot. Well, then why would you want him? I I, I sincerely mean this two, three years later, whatever it's been. What, what, what are the Buccaneers? Well, if you're a Buccaneers fan, aren't you embarrassed? that Tom Brady used you to chase one more Super Bowl, got it, and then immediately went on and put on the red coat of the Patriots and said, I'm a Patriot for life. Like, you still did that Buccaneers thing, and now Belichick is going to go chase one for somebody else. Why would you want him? I know, I know, I agree. Franco Franco should have uh, retired a Seahawk and had a ceremony in Seattle. That's not funny, and, his, and I don't and need your shots. I know what I'm bringing in Hall of Fame bust, he should be in a Seahawks jersey, like, you're so insane on this issue where you Why? get mad at me that I was happy for Ray Bork to win a cup with the Avalanche. Like, it's like these guys work their whole lives in our city. Of course, they should always be Patriots or Steelers or Bruins. This is your most insane. But they're not, but, but they're not though. I have eyes. I, my, my eyes are ingesting the information. And Tom Brady was wearing a Buccaneers uniform when he won that Super Bowl. And when he was drunk getting off that boat and almost threw the Lombardi into the ocean. What are you talking about? Is that like it, he's not always a patriot. You're not, you're not a five-year-old child. You see the reality. What are you talking about? He's not uh, so always Mike a patriot. Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, co you know, coaches two seasons in Carolina. He's not always the stealer. No, he's not because he did two years somewhere else. All right, all right. If you don't find that compelling stuff, I think it's a fascinating subject in the age of free agency that we've all just kind of accepted that that's the case. But you don't think that it's cool that Larry Bird played for the Celtics and only for the Celtics? You don't like that Yaz did for the Red Sox and no one else? That adds to his luster if you're a Boston sports fan. Or at least I would think so. I know that that's meaningful that Mean Joe Green only wore black and gold and Terry Bradshaw and Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby and all the rest of them. So, yes, of course it matters. So if Sid the Kid takes two shifts for the Coyotes, dead to you. I would be not dead to me, but I'd be bummed out. But my point is more the other side of it. All right, listen, if you don't care about this, then I don't know how fascinated you are about the wild card round upcoming here because that's what it's all about. I don't know if you heard Matthew Stafford was on the Lions and now he's going to go play the Lions. These combos of QBs and the guys who are starting wild card round games is just, I, I, I can't get over it. And the irony of ironies is that the Iron Man of the NFL at QB this year, or at least one of them, is Tua. Uh, uh, the guy who was going to retire in the he's the only one. Came through clean on the other side. Everybody else ruined, but you know, a handful of guys, him, Dak with the leg and everything. It is kind of ironic the guys who did make it all the way through the season. Lamar Jackson did that, but and not coincidentally, the teams that are sitting pretty are the ones whose QB stayed healthy for the majority of the season. Well, just to give you a little hope, uh, you'll remember 
that Skylar Thompson went into Buffalo and almost beat a better Bills team uh, a couple of playoffs ago. Right. So I, I, I don't, you know, I don't have uh, the Steelers winning that game, but I think it, it'll be closer than Vegas thinks it'll be. Um, because I think, I think the Steelers can pound the ball and, uh, Bill's still missing some parts there on D. I, you know, can Mason Rudolph make a couple of plays with that pass rush? Cause I think they are a little light on the back end in Buffalo. It's a, it is a gigantic spot for Mason Rudolph, you know? It's it, it gives me a little bit of a devil may care attitude. And those teams, it depends how you have those teams are real. I mean, Skylar Thompson, the Dolphins were feeling good about themselves all last year. And it's like, all right, we got Skylar Thompson. We we're not going to win this game. And so they played free and loose. And I, I think that's a legit thing that we're kind of, you know, the Cowboys feel like, wow, they're so good at home. And they don't. What if they do struggle in this one? You know, like if if they're feeling the pressure of postseason, we, there is no tomorrow, and it isn't going the way most scripts when they're playing in Big D go, then they're going to feel more pressure. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Let me ask you a question, Eddie Spaghetti. Why should you bet with Caesars Sportsbook? But before you answer, two words, Caesars Rewards. Those are the two words. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. I'm talking about hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, even more than just that. It's not only an app, it's an empire. 21 plus must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey. Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming. Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Anyway, I want to talk about Belichick a little bit more. First of all, a little retrospective. Favorite play. Is there a defining play beyond the tuck rule? Um, I think my favorite Belichick sequence is the uh, the unbalanced line against the Ravens when they came back twice from two 14-point deficits. And so they they run the the crazy formation out there. They get 16 yards the first time they do it. Uh, then they get 11 yards on the second play. Harbaugh is melting down. Um, then they get 16 yards the third time. And 15 more yards for the Harbaugh unsportsmanlike. That the 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 coaching excellence making the lesser coach break. He basically broke Harbaugh mm-hmm. with a series of plays that the NFL went, yeah, that's you're allowed to do all that. And, and Harbaugh, that was probably my favorite coaching sequence, but I'm glad you asked because I have a few others. Great. I love I think we should do a whole category. In fact, let's call this a special edition of Goat and Goat this week, examining the full spectrum of greatness and awfulness in the world of sports this past week. Okay, so my good goat this week is the greatest of all time, Bill Belichick. He's the just said it was Nick Saban. I thought he's the great. You said that. Oh, right, right, right. I'm sorry. Nick Saban's the greatest minor league coach of all time. Fine. Fine, I'll give that to you. Like Bill Belichick coached professionals. Saban did too, not quite as well. So, so you Belichick, sure it's not Joe Gibbs, by the way. Belichick is three non Hall of Fame QBs, three Lombardies. Is, Pretty good. Barn away, not just the greatest football coach of all time, but the greatest coach in any organized sport. Now, some people might say John Wooden, but unlike Belichick, I think we all know. The Wizard of Westwood wasn't playing with a hard salary cap, if you know what I mean, right? I hear you. So, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Okay, so so Belichick, level playing field, salary cap, six Super Bowl titles. Eight Super Bowl titles if you start. Do you with- expect me to just allow you to say that without any pushback? Level playing what? field? Yeah. What are you talking about? Cap. Did you not hear about some of the stuff? Oh, my God, please. <laughs> I mean, that's... Please. First of all, he's alive, so it's not like we have to genuflect to him. We're allowed to throw. Well, you know, I have no problem like. talking about people who just died. That's you know, kind of my thing. <laughs> that's true. That's a, it's too bad we can't reverse seats here. Uh, okay, but okay. I mean, all right. You you have to. I, I'm not wrong that this is asterisk forever. But I this is your moment, and I don't want to make it. I don't want to sully it with my negativity, but don't shake your head like that doesn't no, exist. You're right. There are two asterisks. We'll talk about those Giants losses that were ruined by the referee. Um, okay. It should have been more. So starting with the first Giants Super Bowl as defensive coordinator, they're down 10-7 to John Elway's Broncos at the end of the first quarter. The Giants run off 26 points starting with a George Martin sack of Elway in the end zone for a safety. And this is an important part of the Belichick story, which is he always was able to get pressure from those defensive ends in the 3-4. So, like, of course you're going to get pressure from Lawrence Taylor and Willie McGinnis. Those guys are animal. Those guys are beasts coming off the edge. But you're also getting pressure from Leonard Marshall and George Martin and later Richard Seymour, which is part of what made it so hard to move the ball against a Belichick defense. 
So, so in that first, when he gets his first Super Bowl ring as defense coordinator, George Martin has the sack for safety. Lawrence uh, uh, Leonard Marshall has two sacks. Then in the second, you know, where he really made his bones against those Bills, the Bills are leading the Giants 12-3 midway through the second quarter of Super Bowl 25. They score seven points for the rest of the game. They check trivia question. I know you know the answer. How many points did they score the previous game? Uh the Giants? No, how many points did the Bills score in the AFC Championship? Oh, 51 to 3. 51 Sorry. points. So you you're down 12-3 against a team coming off 51 points. They score seven points for the rest of the game. As 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 Lofton and Reed. The, the other signature part of the Belichick defense, everything in front of you. Keep contain, contain, contain. Make them make 15 plays in a row to score. They score 19 points. They lose. Now Belichick. And well, I have to interrupt you just for, for a, a little more history on that one. You know, that's a 13-3 and three Giants team. It wasn't some, you know, rando underdog getting hot at the right seven time. Seven-point underdog. Seven-point underdog. I, no, I'm not diminishing the greatness of the feat by Belichick and Parcells and that team. Um, the second Super Bowl with Parcells and Belichick, uh, you know, before that game, of course, you have perhaps the team that would have gone down as the greatest team, or at least within an era, even better than a single season. Bet. The greatest team for like a mini era would have been the San Francisco 49ers except that they took out Joe Montana in the stick in the fourth quarter. Matt Barr, Eddie Spaghetti, you would have loved all this if you'd been alive at the time. Incredible stuff. And by the way, if you don't want to hear a mass hole uh, talk about Bill Belichick, just fast forward 57 minutes, and I'm sure I'll be done talking about the greatest of all time. So then now we move on to the Patriot portion of his career. 14-point underdogs against the Rams. The other signature thing that Belichick, you and I have talked about this at Carpenter Community Charter, Sheck, where, where our kids matriculated. Uh, it's one thing to say, like, I'm going to try to take away the thing that they do best. How do you do it over and over again? How do you just go, I'm going to come up with a scheme that is going to make you do something else? So the greatest show on turf, we've, we've seen what Kurt Warner and those receivers have done and Marshall Falk. And... Torrey Holt's coming off another monster season where he's averaged over 10 yards per target. He gets 12 targets in that Super Bowl, 49 yards. Hmm. Four yards a target, five catches. Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce are having the lumber laid to them by Otis Smith and to Bucky Jones. And of course, Ty Law famously scoring as many touchdowns as Super Bowl MVP Tom Brady led the offense to. I, I think Ty Law should have been Ty Law, right? Obviously, that's one Ty thing Law we can amend. Ty Law's your MVP. Uh, and it had to come from the defense. But so that's another moment where we go, we're learning about Belichick. It's like, what's he do? He takes away what you want to do. So Ricky Prohl has a nice game and Azakir Hakeem has a nice game, but Torrey Holt and Marshall Falk do not have nice games. Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. Then, okay, you skipped. Okay, but you're going through history, and I just have to again okay, put down something. Right. And I'm not. I'm not here to talk about the AFC title game. Sick as it will forever make me that one. Um, the the I think you could make a case. Like if you want to be 
play that led to, you know, the tuck rule, obviously massive in, in Super Bowl history and all of that, as is the Scott Norwood make, because if the Bills win that, the Bills take on a different level of intimidation and profile in, in football history. And it knocks the Cowboys. Uh, it makes the Cowboys then when they beat those Bills look even better. And we hold that Dallas Cowboys team the, of the early 90s up as the greatest Super Bowl era team of the 20th century. But that's not the way the cookie crumbled. But start of the new millennium or maybe the back and whatever that was, the kick that Adam Vinatieri makes in the snow to force overtime against um, uh, uh, against uh, uh, as a heavy underdog against the Raiders is the single greatest kick in football history, right? Sure. I mean, that, sure. there's For no sure. I, that I, I know that's a weird thing, greatest kick, but that was an go back and watch that. That's la that launches your entire dynasty, Patriots fan. That he made that kick in what looks like it's about a foot of snow. That that was the Luke Skywalker Death Star. Like it could it couldn't have been it couldn't have been any higher and it couldn't have been any lower. Like the ball had to travel <laughs> on exactly that trajectory to go through. So two years later, it didn't just impact on the surface. This is this is another coaching thing, right? So you know what do head coaches do during the game? Okay, do you go for one or do you go for two? Now in that Panther Super Bowl. The way it shook out was John Fox goes for two twice and fails both times. Belichick goes for two once and makes it. So if they had just kicked extra points, the Panthers would have had two more points and the Patriots would have had one less point hmm. and they won by three points. This is the kind of thing that like, when you look at Belichick's career, like over and over and over again, the thing the coach actually does, the thing the coach decides, and by the way, Patriots' success rate on two-point plays in the playoffs and the Super Bowl, and we'll we'll get to the 28 to three in a second. Uh, you know, that team is prepared. The greatest coach of all time has prepared this team for these contingencies. Again, gamesmanship, it's not cheating, but man. He was right on the edge of those two-point plays that he's running against the Falcons, and people have poured over those things since and said, like, I don't know if you're allowed to do what the Patriots were doing to get those two points, but in the moment, there was zero question they were going to get them. You knew right. what right. was about to happen here, whichever side you were rooting for. So so then we go to the third Super Bowl of the greatest coach of all time in any sport, and you're an idiot if you think otherwise. Uh, <laughs> it's getting worse. The, the, the Eagles – the Eagles Super Bowl. Now that game is famously ended by a Rodney Harrison interception. Like why is Rodney Harrison on the Patriots? Because as Rodney Harrison tells the story, he was wined and dined by lots of teams. And so the teams were like, Hey man, look at our practice facilities, a beautiful new state of the art practice facility. Look at our new weight room. Hey, look at the rotunda where the player's commissary is. And then he met with Belichick and he like sat him down and goes, uh, here's our plan to keep winning Super Bowls. And Ron Harris, oh, that's all I'm interested in. Like, that's all I want to hear. I don't want to tour. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a co-ed deciding what college I want to go to. Like, I'm, I want to win Super Bowls. And this does two things, right? This eliminates guys who are concerned about their parking space. Like, well, you don't want those guys. You don't want Cade, McN Cade McNown, you know, like you want winners who go, oh, I don't need a tour of the facility. I don't need to see my locker in the corner. 
I want to know how we're going to win the Super Bowl. So Belichick gets Rodney Harrison and the third Super Bowl title. Now, in between the two distinct dynasties that the greatest coach of all time. That one, su- that's the one that sucked. That to, to, to this fan, that's the one. Another huge inflection point in Super Bowl era history is if the Steelers at 15 and one with a rookie quarterback survived that game somehow, he Roethlisberger to this day is still the only rookie QB to ever get to a Super Bowl. And you then kind of end a Patriots dynasty before it ever really gets on track. Again, oh, not, it the was, it it was, uh, not the way it went. Thank you for reminding me. It was Rodney Harrison that had the pick six in that game, right? That's that's right. Okay. Very sporting of you to 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 uh, burnish Bill Belichick's bona fide. If, Bill, if Plexico catches that ball on the first play of the fourth quarter, history goes different. All right. Well, Plexico, Plexico okay. does catch a ball. Uh, in a, in a Super Bowl against the Patriots, uh, that, that in the in the interregnum, in the same spot where he dropped the ball, by the way, in that title two, game, between the two dynasties of the, the two distinct dynasties that the greatest coach of all time presided over, in between you get um, the Tyree play on on which the holding is so egregious. I, I would love this is what you never get. You never get a thirty for thirty where you get where you sit down with a referee and get to go like hey man what were you thinking what were you seeing did you see this did you see both of these holds or either of them and think man i don't want to throw a flag at this point in the super bowl did you not see it did you see it and think you saw something else like what these guys richard seymour and jarvis green are being mauled like they are they're beyond holding anyway so that's now you've got spaghetti's attention he just perked up in his seat you have something to say spaghetti go ahead um i don't know that that doesn't ring a bell i don't even know what i'm talking about all right right. (laughs) and then and then the second giant super bowl okay we never saw it before and we've never seen it since Brady throws the ball right down the middle of the field and they call intentional grounding in the end zone because you referee played so much quarterback (laughs) in your life that you know for sure the receiver didn't break it off in the wrong direction. You are positive that for the first time in NFL history, a guy is throwing the ball down the middle 40 yards to ground it. You figured this out, referee. Um, so now this is where I put my foot down. I am all for, this is a special day for you and you're in your feelings and I allow it, but I'm not going to allow a Patriots fan to bellyache about officiating going against them. The entire dynasty is launched on the tuck rule. Well, I just did. And I'm right on both plays. So, okay, okay, moving on, moving on. Now let's get to the, to the second (laughs) dynasty. So, you know, you ne- another thing you never see that you only Bill Belichick does this. You never see this. I mean, okay, first of all, I don't think any other coach benches the number one overall draft pick for the 199th overall draft pick when they're both healthy. I just it don't is think- ballsy. I agree that that is a massive moment in obviously the dynasty and Bill Belichick. I do wonder. Because I've talked with a bunch of guys about that and said, what was it like between the game in Heinz Field where you pulled the giant upset on the Steelers and that kickoff? Was there any buzz like, we can't go back to the kid? I mean, Drew Bledsoe's our guy and Kraft or anyone else on high going like, 
hey, money plays in this league. I don't know if you heard, man. We got the cute story with uh, with the handsome kid from Michigan, but obviously we're going with Bledsoe. The vibe I've gotten is everybody in the locker room besides Drew Bledsoe knew that Brady was the guy. So I, I but I, but I still give him credit because it the the chalk choice would be like, well, obviously we got to go with the with the starter. Yeah. So so that that decision, it right. you know, is NFL history, obviously. But he makes a decision in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks that, you know, obviously at the end looms very large. But Kyle Arrington, who was a bit of a ball hawk, I think he had seven picks one year, but he's just having a bad game at corner. He's getting whipped by Chris Matthews. And in the game, Bill Belichick decides, put in the undrafted free agent Malcolm Butler. Put him in. You don't... How often do you see a corner get benched in an NFL game? I think in this moment, we have a better chance to win with this guy than with the starter. What happens? Signature play of, of the dynasties. And Mal- by the, well, that's what I, I, that would be my offering. The Vinatieri kick in the snow, a positive play, not random, fluky, weird call, tuck rules. That's the most iconic. But yes, I would say, that the Malcolm Butler play is right up there. It's probably in the top three greatest Super Bowl moments. So Super Bowl plays, I think. And for the Patriots dynasty, it is the greatest moment, I would think, because I'm in the stadium in Arizona, sitting next to David Feeney, a diehard Patriots fan like you, and the experiencing that sort of gut punch of like, it's going to happen again. In that those few minutes... They score, Brady vanquishes the greatest defense of the generation. And wow, they're going to do it. He just drove him down the field and he throws that touchdown pass to Julian Edelman. They're going to beat the Seahawks. Remarkable. And then they run the wheel route to Marshawn Lynch. And now they're on the right side of the field. And then that crazy deep ball to curse that he catches. And the, uh, the, the exhale of sorrow from all the Patriots fans in that joint was like, it's going to happen again. We're going to lose that. Well, there's no chance to win. And then within real minutes, like two min, two real minutes of time, Brady's hopping up and down like he's a nine-year-old kid, as is every Patriots fan in the world. I think that's your yeah. signature moment. And, and Richard Sherman is is swearing. And right. and it is, it. I mean, there's no, obviously there's no play in Super Bowl history where the win probability went from 99 in one direction to 99 in the other direction. So insane. Um, But he's not done. That's number four. So against the the Falcons, 28-3, obviously, not just 28-3, but LeGarrette Blunt has lost a fumble and been banished to the bench. You're you're the greatest of all time quarterback. He's thrown a pick six. Nothing is going your way. I like to try to get back into my head at certain moments, like, for instance, to make this about my team, when Minka Fitzpatrick was laying on the field in Indianapolis a couple few weeks ago, that was the moment I declared, like, that's it. I, I you know, I'll, I'll hold out hope, but like, that, there's no rallying from that. Um, the moment where I knew the Patriots were done, done, done was when uh, – Bob Alford picks that ball off and is running down the sideline and old man Brady tries in vain to catch him. And he instead just face plants on the turf. And it was like, Oh, this is kind of sad. They're, they're not just going to lose. They're going to get hammered by the Atlanta Falcons and those weird uniforms and everything. That's who they're going to lose to. Yuck. No. And, 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 and Freeman and Coleman are going to run for 300 yards. Like it's going to be, it's so bad. 
it was so bad at, that that my mom and I had to leave the venue we were watching at to go to watch it in the privacy <laughs> of my home. So, you but but mom. lo and behold, lo and behold, what happens? <laughs> so Dante Hightower gets the gets the strip sack. Okay, you watch so, with your mom, of course. Patriots, but only your mom. Yeah, <laughs> just so you we, and your we mom. had to be. My mom and I had to be alone as we were. <laughs> For the the Seahawks uh, Super Bowl victory too, <laughs> I don't uh, think there'd be many people I'd rather watch the Steelers Super Bowl with than Mo Damashek. I'm not making yeah. fun of you. I'm just, I'm just glad that uh, weirdness likes company yeah. or whatever. So, so Dante Hightower, number one, you know, t- first round draft pick, 25th pick overall, makes a huge play to swing the momentum, uh, get the strip sack, you know, resuscitate the Patriots with the paddles. Um, Julian Edelman, the the seventh round, 232nd pick, uh, makes the miraculous catch. In between, James White, fourth round draft pick. I think he was 130th overall. He has 14 receptions, three touchdowns, and a pivotal two-point conversion. And, And the Patriots and the greatest coach of all time complete the greatest comeback of all time. And James White should have been the MVP of that game. And and, 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 I agreed. And so... And so I mentioned those draft picks as sort of set up to a, a later segment we'll be getting to, uh, oh. which is which is bad goat. Um, <laughs> it, 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 he tees uh, something that's coming about Mr. Belichick, something he's not so good at. Somebody did an outline for the show, Eddie. So anyway, so so this this is this. I'm sure I've made eleven mistakes already because I'm doing this off the top of my head, and much like old man Belichick uh, thinks the, thinking he's texting with Brian Dayball. Uh, when he's texting with Brian Flores, my brain's also going to mush, but uh, it hadn't. I think so far it checks out your story, but it hadn't gone to mush yet when he gets them back to the Super Bowl uh, uh, with, with an incredible performance in Kansas city. Again, taking away the thing you want to do. Tyreek Hill has one catch in that AFC title game that the Patriots win 37, 31. So he goes up against the Rams and it's a pretty terrible game. Probably, you know, Super Bowl five would be close, but at least Super Bowl five was a good game. I mean, a competitive game. Broncos, um, Falcons, you know, rates is one of the just, worst ever. It's a terrible Super Bowl. But when when it looked like Goff might actually pull you know, pull off winning the, the worst Super Bowl of all time, Belichick dialed up the zero blitz. Stefan Gilmore gets gets the game ceiling pick, um, you know, as as the Bel- Belichick, probably the signature defensive game because that Rams offense was no joke either. Um, no, they tried. In fact, I remember talking with Dan Orlovsky after that one and saying, "Like, I, I'm no X and O guy, but like that th- Belichick was trading directly on. I guess that was Brian Flores too. On the um, on M- McVeigh is telling Jared Goff, here, here's the play. Here's what we're going to do. And at the 15 second mark that he goes out of his ear and now Goff is left to his own. And now they're running play action. And he kept doing the thing of showing one thing at the line of scrimmage, but then Goff would go play action. When he would pick his head back up, things were different. And he kept getting confused by, he kind of shamed a pro football quarterback in that, in that big spot. Yeah. That so, was so- a signature great uh, you know, X and O and of, of a high end offense. So, uh, you know, and the, and the last of so many incredible uh, coaching performances in the game, you know? So, so those are the six Super Bowls plus two with the giants, greatest coach of all time. Uh, Real quick, honorable mention uh, to, to 
to three playoff games. I mentioned the Ravens unbalanced line thing against Harbaugh, incredible coaching. Um, I mentioned the taking away Tyreek Hill in the AFC championship game when the Chiefs, I think, were better than the than the Patriots. And then an, another one that, that comes to mind, Peyton Manning in, in New England in the AFC championship game. Marvin Harrison has three catches for 19 yards and a lost fumble. Ty Law has three interceptions. What you just played a Hall of Fame receiver to a draw on catches? So so Belichick is it's not close. It's certainly not a stumper as you embarrass yourself, Damashek. I'm uh, just trying to play devil's Damashek for the okay. conversation. Okay. But also, but, but also, you know, Saban tried to coach in the big leagues and couldn't cut it. So he went back to the minors and dominated. Good for you. Uh, you have all the best players and there, you know, and there's no salary cap. I mean, you have your three deep at every position and, and, you know, Belichick's doing it with Julian Edelman and Matthew Slater. Listen, it's remarkable stuff. And the paradoxes of the Patriots run here, the 20 years dynasty, two dynasties or whatever. Um, that, but the one that always comes to mind is, as you say, like, you know, if not for Tyree, and not for Manningham, and not for Welker, the number of Lombardis they could have. And also you can play that game on the exact other side of things about, uh, and that's the way it goes. If you are in big games, there are going to be a number of individual plays that you'll point to and be like, imagine if you just flip that one and you can kind of make yourself well, crazy playing you that game. But it is fascinating by like, you can make a case like, Oh, they could have won like four or five more. Oh, they could have lost four or five more too. Well, let me ask you this interesting question. So which which do you find more egregious in terms of the complicity of the opponent? Kyle Shanahan calling pass plays when all the Falcons had to do was run three plays into the line and send Matt Bryan out to put the game away or Russell Wilson to Malcolm Butler. Which of those two decisions do you think is 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 less excusable? Boy, I've talked with smart people about the throw on second down from Russell Wilson and who ultimately is responsible for all of that. I guess that one's worse because that, well, what am I going to say? I was about to say the Falcons. The, the Seahawks are on the cusp in terms of history. Like, keep in mind, they score a touchdown there. Not only do they dent, the Patriots legacy, but they burnish their own. They're a, they're a mini dynasty. They went back to back and we consider them very differently. And Cliff Averill told me a fascinating story about that, that game. So jarred the, the, the mainstays of the Seahawks that they bailed on, on Pete Carroll from that moment forward, that they were just like, this ain't the scene. We were on the cusp of something not just special, but historic. And now it's all flushed down the drain because of but that. You, you know, it's I funny. Don't know you what talk, the worst. I mean, they're both terrible. You you, you talk about the 15 seconds uh, with Belichick and like the, the clock, you know, the, the microphone going out and now you're on your own rookie, you know, this idea uh, that that play goes through Pete Carroll's headset. You know, we've talked about this with Tomlin, with all these guys, like the way that clock is moving, the head coach can't really go like, whoa, 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 no. Like, it's not. Yeah, really I, get, I get it. Yeah, you're very right. Very hard for the head coach to interject in that time crunch because they want the clock running. It's to their advantage to have the clock running. 
which is actually a demerit on Belichick, who doesn't call timeout on defense. I know some of your Patriots pals will argue that Belichick knew exactly what was going on and he played Pete Carroll. I will always disagree with that, that he that he was completely lucid and calm. I think he benefited from he, he thought something different was going to go down. I mean, to go over it for the billionth time. If they, you know, if you run the ball on second down there, the clock does go all the way down to about 15 seconds and whatever they do on third down, it sets up. If they don't score on that one, you would be fourth and goal with about eight seconds left in the Super Bowl at the one. It would have been the greatest. The Malcolm Butler was great enough, but imagine if it's like, all right, last crack, last play in the Super Bowl. I guess it would have been the Rams Titans all over again, but more exciting with two higher with with uh, two worthy teams instead of just well, one. Well, I think, you know, and it's funny because uh, you know, Pete Pete Carroll has has been relieved of his duties, but Kyle Shanahan has merely changed cities and 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 is still calling the shots. I think I think Kyle Shanahan going well, we got here, you know, we're gunslingers. The way we got here was aggression. It's like, yeah, you win the game if you run the ball three times for one and a half yards. Like, what What difference does it make how you got here? It's indoors. He's obviously going to make the field goal. Like, what are you doing? But, That's of course, Kyle Shanahan, the thing Kyle Shanahan wouldn't say out loud because he has a profession and has to work with quarterbacks going forward and would lose the trust of those quarterbacks, sort of like Joe Coy, knocking his writers for for the results of uh of his stand-up performance on the golden globes like kyle shanahan he'll go like i mean matt ryan ain't tenured enough he's the mvp he doesn't know enough to throw the ball away don't take a sack in that spot that's that's the problem it's it's with but you're i, I know you're right i just i do always think like well i mean you know and a also and a hold well, Jake Matthews holds Chris Long on that one, which is why I've also volunteered Chris Long's name as a potential MVP to that Super Bowl. And the other one is that gets Kyle Shanahan kind of the hook. And then you're talking to the football gods that the the repeatability of the Javon curse catch in 48. The, the things are so crazy in 49 and the Tyree, the impossibility to ever repeat that. Even if you wanted to, let's go out onto this fo football field nearby and see if we can make that same thing look exact. You could never repeat that play. The craziest of all is the Edelman. The Edelman catch is the weirdest. Like, what the hell? How did it's he like, catch that ball? If you threw a football with no Rodney Harrison, no defense, and you just stood five yards from David Tyree and you said, I'm going to throw this thing gently, and you just have to wedge it on your head, like you just have to catch it on your helmet. Like that's the play. It can't bounce off your helmet. You have to catch it. Like, yeah, like 10,000 tries. It's so insane. Okay. But by the way, another bad, not that it was a bad call, but the D four thing, I mean, this game you can play with the Patriots of taking away and giving them Lombardies and all that kind of stuff is fun to do real quick. Eddie spaghetti, jump in with any you have, let's just go lightning round here. Besides Tom Brady, greatest player of the dynasties round. The greatest player and no, no, no. I'm saying throw out these fast hitting these these uh, quick Q and A for our Patriots guy here. Let's see. Well, let's Richard, see if we can come Richard up with important Seymour of the first dynasty, you know, okay. Hall of Famer. Um, and then, you know how I feel about about Julian Edelman and his Hall of Fame bona fides. Uh, I mean, you could go Devin McCourty, but what about Gronk. I, you could, you know, Gronk. Yeah, the the the. 
the greatest. I mean, it's funny how much better the supporting cast of the second Belichick dynasty is than the Antoine Smith version where it's it is funny you can cut like yeah you can reach a place in your career we talk always about the you know being on your rookie deal and being the guy and the advantage that gives the entire team to have that but yes then you go through the middle of your thing and then you're like you're you're tenured and successful enough it's like let's all get together and super team this thing like randy moss then becomes available to you in a way like yeah i just want to play to the rodney harrison point you made earlier there are enough guys who are um, successful and on the back half of their career, like let's just chase a Lombardi here, and you can win guys doing that. Okay, all right, real most, quick, most hated team. So, so, oh. so the, this is just a a statistic. It's, a, it's an anomaly that's so crazy, but it tells you how spread out the two Brady dynasties were. In between the first dynasty and the second dynasty, Logan Mankins plays eleven seasons and makes seven Pro Bowls. Arguably a Hall of Fame guard never wins a Super Bowl ring. It's that can't be true. What? Look it up. Look it up. He gets whipped by Justin Tuck. He gets anyway. I don't want okay. Who is who's the one team on the AFC side you don't want to see if there's a Super Bowl trip on the line? Right. Wait, any team that the Patriots would have had to play. Who 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 was the best team? that they had to go through on the AFC side. I don't know if it's an individual. I'm just trying to come I mean, up the with thing, these off the, the cuff. But. The, the thing, like, I mean, obviously we had the Steelers number, so that was never right. That would never nerve wracking. Right. But Denver was such a house of horrors. It, it, you know, we just, if you had to go into Denver, you just knew we weren't going to play well. Like, it's just like, and so, you know, obviously, um, you know, losing the, those, those bad AFC title games, uh, you know, losing the one to Manning on his second Super Bowl uh, win, that that one where Brady was concussed and and didn't see a wide open Gronk. Yeah, it was it was always Denver. That was that was I mean, I was, thought you might go Baltimore because they really, you know, the Cundiff kick, they 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 should have beaten you that season. And I thought. Oh man, I don't know how you come back from that spiritually. And then they came back the next year with a brand new kicker named Justin Tucker, and they did get over on him. That was a the Ravens. In fact, they're the only team that I can think of in the Patriots last twenty years that absolutely destroyed New England in a playoff game. What they beat well, them thirty three ten or whatever that yeah, was. Ray, the Ray Rice game, oh, right. where where they just said from Jump Street, we're way better than you. I guess I would say the team I would least want to play in Foxborough would be the Ravens. And uh, the team I'd least want go to right. is be Denver. Um, but yeah, those, I mean, thank goodness for, for Lee Evans, I believe, getting stripped uh, with the game-winning touchdown and then Cundiff mi- missing the field goal. Uh, and then and then the Ravens blowing two 14-point leads or they just would have completely owned the Patriots for that entire run. And who do you dislike more? Because I've NFL'd this one before that if Archie and Olivia don't meet at Ole Miss, then there's no Peyton and Eli. And if there's no Peyton and Eli, then Brady and Belichick have 10 at least. Who do you hold more responsible for those shortcomings, Eli or Peyton or Archie? You know, the, the, um, you know, the curse of supposed to, right. It's like, it just, you were never supposed to beat Peyton Manning. Like it was always like, you could definitely lose. They have Peyton Manning. 
Like, so those games always felt like coin flips, you know, the, the, the one and one a going head to head, the, the two losses to Eli, you know, when, when arguably those teams shouldn't even have been in the playoffs, like those were, those still haunt me. Uh, uh, now you, you hurt know. Spaghetti's feelings. He doesn't uh, like I that. mean, you know, Asante Samuel returning, you know, returning the pick six to put the Patriots up uh, 21 to three in, in the game. They would go on to lose um, too many men in the huddle penalty. You know, that AFC championship game with the lowly Rex Grossman Bears waiting for a free Super Bowl ring. Um, that that was pretty painful. But I think on the pain meter, both both Giants losses uh, are are worse stomach punches. People forget about that. That late first half pick six, you thought like, oh my God, this is this is hard. I can't believe that you, I, I, and having experienced it as a fan, those Patriots own the Steelers. It felt like they're going to go into Indy and they're going to, and they're going to do this to that Colts team. And that rally is re- what was remarkable stuff. And it does get Peyton and those Colts right. And in fact, Peyton ends up evening up with Belichick in career postseason. By the time it's all said and done, in fact, Peyton might've, one out by a game. I think they wind up 500 Belichick v. Um, v. Peyton in, in you know, all those an interesting games. question. You know, you see this like you, you see it a lot like in um, contested deep balls where you where you see the replay and you're like, oh, my God, that guy didn't hit the ball. He should have caught it. Like you see the replay where you're like, oh, that hit him right in the basket. And he in the in the heat of the moment running as fast as you can guy. But I always go like, who decides if something's a drop? Like, that's a stat. That is a stat for sure. And we all know that Chiefs receivers lead lead the league in drops. And MVS has dropped this many. And, and Tony's dropped this many. And I, I, I wonder if you, could, if you could reach out to the people. If the Asante Samuel non-interception that would have ended the, the 42 – is considered a drop because he was pretty ex- extended. You know, he gets two hands on it, but it's, you know, I, I don't know what it'd be considered an, a great catch, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I go off of uh, my eyes in the moment. I remember thinking like, Oh man, that the game's over. The game's over. He should have just caught that one. And then how many plays after that was the, uh, the Tyree catch. It was like within two, three plays, yeah. I think. Um, but anyway, listen, marvelous run i don't know i i think i you know listen I, I i can give credit where it's due the last thing i'll say is we close the book on these patriots now that it's done with belichick they must go pat patriot forever right i mean i said it when brady left but now even more so it's it's it it's sit there as its own thing forever now Belichick gets there. Okay, Parcells beat him to it, but they go royal blue and silver with flying Elvis. I don't care for it, but they, they you know, win all those Lombardies, so you honor it. But now it's over. Now you go back, Pat Patriot. You go back to regular order, right? Hench? I prefer it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, okay you're in on that. Um, okay, good. Now, real quick, and I'll do this much much more quickly because I feel like we've maybe... Well, no, I, no we're not done yet because I want to say I have to give you a little devil's damashek here. I would make a case and can make a case for the Emperor Chaz Knoll. Completely different conditions, and it's remarkable that Belichick and Brady were the constants around all the moving parts created by free agency and big contracts and everything else. The order for Chaz Knoll in that age 
was don't miss on your draft picks. If you hit on your draft picks, you can forge something sustainable. And not only did he do that in a, a, at that point, a franchise that had never done anything, he cobbles together the greatest roster that wins four Super Bowls in six years. And I get that it's like, wow, I mean, he drafted well and you're not losing any of those guys. Yeah, but nobody left the Dolphins or the New England Patriots of that era and the Raiders and the good Broncos teams and the Cowboys on the other side and the Vikings on the other side. And you're waging war with these all-time heavyweights and you're still beating them more often than not and winning four out of six. That's my case for Chaz. No, it might be unsatisfying, but the best of the Super Bowl era might be Joe Gibbs based on what I said. No other coach has won. And that's a, he won three Super Bowls with zero Hall of Fame QBs. That's a pretty compelling case, don't you think? Um, no. So, so <laughs> back, to, back to the greatest coach of all time. What do you think, Spaghetti? Break no. the tie. That's not impressive what Gibbs did. That's not worthy. It's Everybody impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. But this is I don't I don't even want to make this comparison because you're gonna go crazy. But it's like it's the same thing when you when you fight the like Wayne Gretzky greatest hockey player ever. It's just like it's Belichick. Let's just move on. It's okay. Except right, it. turn off his mic, Hench. That's it. I, I thought he might have something to say. I don't care. No one wanted to hear <laughs> Listen, that. But like it's like it's Scotty Bowman, right? What are you gonna argue about this? Like it's you know, it, anyway. But but your Chaz Knoll on the 50th anniversary of the greatest draft of all time, the Steelers, five Hall of Famers, they, they go Swan, Lambert, Stallworth, Webster, Donnie Shell, undrafted free agent, five Hall of Famers that form the bedrock of that dynasty, which is a perfect segue to my bad goat. Oh, okay, great. My bad goat, Bill Belichick, general manager. Oh, okay. so as I, mentioned, as I mentioned with Dante Hightower and James White and Julian Edelman, this wasn't always the case. But something happened when Bill Belichick presumably watched film on Nikhil Harry, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel and, and D.K. Metcalf and said, Nikhil Harry is going to be the best pro of that bunch. Like, what? what did you see? What did you see? Because apparently Brady knew on day one of OTAs, this guy blows. And so that was such a, an unbelievable whiff. Forget about having your, your um, draft uh, responsibilities taken away. Like you, you should have your driver's license taken away. Like you think to kill, to kill Harry is good. You, there are three Hall of Famers being drafted after this guy. This guy is a whiff beyond whiffs. But Belichick wasn't done. And I know everyone has their least favorite Belichick draft pick. So it it is Nikhil Harry, given who went after. Well, you also get he all the, the thing uh, that, again, cynicism, but valid, I think, is, you know, the whole dynasty pivots off of Tom Brady getting there and they get a lot of credit for Tom Brady landing in new England. But as a reminder, he was a sixth round pick. They could have taken him If, if they knew they had some special insight about how good this guy was going to be, you think they probably go for him in the fourth, right? I mean, don't let him exactly so, a little bit too much credit for landing on Brady, but okay. Exactly. So, so he, after the 2019 debacle of Nikhil Harry, Belichick drafts, two tight ends in the third round, Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. So, I mean, Belichick likes his tight ends. 
He, you know, obviously he had uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski and, right. and Aaron Hernandez. But so he's like, he <laughs> reaches, he reaches, you know, it's one of those things where everyone's like Dalton Keene, like, wow, I had him available in the fifth round. Uh, so he does this thing where he reaches, but he whiffs so totally on Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi in the same draft. That then he, he fixed to, it though in free agency. Everything was Stein, John <laughs> Smith, and Hunter Henry. So he wastes draft capital with Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. And then he wastes actual capital with, with John Smith and Hunter Henry, who, who, who is not a bust, but John Smith certainly was. So those are four tight ends Keene, Asiasi, John Smith, and Hunter Henry. Like, just a, just a personnel apocalypse. But the other thing, Belichick just drafted two kickers. If you're going to waste a draft pick on a kicker, first of all, he has to be better than the guy you have, right? Nick Folk doesn't have a big leg, but he's going to make all the, all the 40 yarders, right? That's it. That's Nick Folk, little Matt Barr, pea shooter. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. But when you're going to use a draft pick, and this was the fifth round pick on Justin Rohrwasser. So this is the guy that had the uh, the white supremacist, the three percenters tattoo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And apparently he made 3% of his kicks in training camp because he doesn't make the team. <laughs> wow. You spent a draft pick on a kicker who didn't make the team because he couldn't kick. And by the way, didn't hook on immediately somewhere else. Just another Belichick whiff, but he wasn't done drafting kickers. His valedictory swan song draft, he takes Chad Ryland in the fourth round, and you're like, oh, well, that's fourth round. Now you're getting up to some value. This guy must be pretty good. No, led the league in missed field goals. Led the league in missed field goals. At least Rohrwasser never cost the Patriots a game. Did he make a great draft pick? And there has to be like, well, that guy worked out really well in the last like three to five years. I'm trying to think of who they hit on. Mac Jones obviously was not. That really accelerated his demise. You know, obviously I'm not watching offensive guard play closely, but I kind of, I trust the people who do that Cole Strange is not John Hanna. So it's like, you know, and again, if you love Cole Strange, don't worry. You're going to have two or three more chances. That's like a fantasy football league where the guy's like, I heard they're going to throw the ball to to that guy a lot more in, on third down. So I'm going to drive like, yeah, he would have been there 10 yeah, rounds don't later. Worry about it. No urgency. Yeah. So, so the reason the Patriots are 4-13 and 13 and Bill Belichick's no longer their coach is because Bill Belichick, the GM, just left the roster bereft of talent. And so, you know, the good goat and the bad goat are forever paired. Um, but had Belichick still been drafting well, the, there wouldn't be this chasm between the Brady era and the non-Brady era. They you, know, you, you, you would have right. had some, some 10 and sevens um, because I think he still does put a good defense out on the field. And I think if, you know, whether it's the chargers or the Cowboys, whoever decides they, they want to saddle up with the old man is going to have a good defensive coach. And I don't think anyone's going to let him buy the groceries, but um, yeah, the bad, the bad goat, uh, Belichick, the GM. Well, 
I think that was a remarkable um, little off the cuff remembrance of uh, of 20, 20 years. Is that the official run? 20 years of greatness? Well, well 20 years no, of greatness. No, it'd be 20. Yeah, right. 20, yeah. 20 years of greatness, 24 20. years for, for him. Well, congratulations. It really was for a Boston sports fan. The trip you got to do as more of a grown up, what I imagine my uncles and what my old man kind of experienced, although the pirates were relevant, you know, in the mid uh, mid 20th century. But and in 19th, but for the most part, I was a little too young to feel like, boy, all our teams suck kind of vibe. But if you were a certain age there, that turnaround and going from the poorhouse to the mansion has to feel special. And I mean, and all your teams did it overlapping. It's remarkable. I I, so you, yeah, I, I don't like to do it, but I tip my hat to you for the good fortune. Well, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And it was it was incredible to spend, you know, a, such a huge chunk of my adulthood expecting the team I root for to win. You know, it's when you grew up with Rod Rust and Dick McPherson, you didn't. You and know, Pete like, Carroll, by the way, that is a great trivia question that I've been floating this week is Pete Carroll is the success. What is the guy who preceded Belichick in that gig in Foxborough? And I keep tweeting out the image. And now it's funny because he has this cool Patriots jacket on. Nobody knows where to find that. Send me one. Send me one because it's kind of although I wouldn't wear a Patriots one. But either way, how about you, you fill in uh, for Belichick with Pete Carroll? That sounds all right, right? I was a little I mean, it, because Pete. <laughs> does not present a 72. No. He he he's he's wiry and he's energetic. Uh so I was I was a little surprised by that. And I was I mean I guess the Vrabel one is the is the most surprising. Like but you yeah. want Vrabel but that's I want Vrabel. That's to your benefit that I that can't happened, believe right? He's available. Uh, oh. Almost and, and, almost and, pretty good. Almost and uh and then the explanation of like yeah, we probably could have gotten some draft capital for him, but you know what? We just want, we're kind of in a rush. What? Like you didn't want to, you didn't want to wait 48 hours. Well, it's weird because the reporting is now that what the Titans didn't like is exactly kind of what I started out with on this episode, which is like the other side of it. Some teams, some people don't want that. Like, Oh, you're a Patriot for life, are you, Mike Rabel? Then, then go deal with the Patriots. Like you're the head coach of the uh, of another NFL football team. I don't think they liked him going up there during the season and throwing that red coat on and uh, talking about how he's a Patriot for life. That rubs people the wrong, some people the wrong way, unless you're really pathetic and desperate. And so, I, uh, I you know, I, I sit in a chair of luxury of not worrying about that. What is in my head with my football team? is this, as we transition, first of all, where the, are we supposed to, I don't know how you're Mike Tomlin right now and all the noise. I think Damashek had it right, Eddie Spaghetti. I don't think the Steelers were ever thinking about firing Tom. I think the rumors that he might leave, they're, they're, those feel at least, at least semi-credible. But now, as it turns out, as I also predicted, or at least gave some room to be true, is Maybe it's just Jay Glazer and his big media pals or through the agent trying to spread the good word. Like, you know, this guy doesn't have a contract. Everybody you better step up to the plate, Steelers. Either way, it's kind of it's a great story that with Eric Rowe and other guys that were out on Miles Jack and guys like that are playing meaningful football 
all of a sudden in in high leverage spots for the Steelers and they win and they get into the playoffs. And like I keep saying, over the moon, you know, it, was, it didn't mean anything until it did mean something to me on the cusp of the playoff bid. Suddenly I found myself thinking about sitting in Three River Stadium with my sister Amy and my uncles, Mike and Scott and my old man. And at 40, 45, we were pouring, we were pouring hot chocolate on our hands because it was so cold. And it was the Houston Oilers they were beating. And then I'm sitting on my couch rooting for the Houston Oilers. Okay, they call themselves the Titans or whatever, but it's the Houston Oilers rooting for them to win a game to put us into the playoffs. And so they did, and it felt special because I was there with the old man, and now the old man is watching on high while the Houston Oilers put us into the playoffs. It was uh, it was special stuff. But it's kind of a bad look for Tomlin that he didn't know his roster well enough. You, you didn't know that Mason Rudolph was that much better than Mitchell Trubisky? I have an excuse. I'm not watching him in practice. What's your excuse? Um, but what happens if Mason Rudolph wins this game? Like, don't they have to sign him? Don't, I mean, they, they must retain him no matter the cost, but I wonder what that contract's going to be. You're a QB needy team, Kevin Hench. What would you suppose the Patriots would, I mean, like, I, I'm interested. I ask you this because, you know, you get caught up with your team and what that guy means to your team and everything. Do you get the vibe? as somebody who watches and roots for a different team that like, yeah, Mason Rudolph might be the answer. Or is it like, come on, this is what, this is one of those two week cute stories that has no shelf life. Come on. This is one of those two week stories that has no shelf life. I okay. Mean, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what, what, what well, you're thinking about. It's it. Not, it, when Brady had the wraps taken off him, it was like, ta-da, here's a guy who's never attempted it. Like we've never seen him try to win NFL games. Rudolph had some reps. Like we've seen Mason Rudolph. Like, he's a better vert. I mean, every guy doesn't progress. Alex right, Smith looked sure. a lot worse in year two than he did in year six, right? For, for sure. But I don't think anyone, including the Steelers, that goes in to the fall of 2024 with Mason Rudolph as their quarterback is a contender. <laughs> I that's why I ask. I, I I really don't know. And again, we're limited by our imagination, or at least stuck in what we've seen so far. But I'm like I'm saying, project ahead by a few days. What if they go up there and win that game? Like it's a then one. It's a bad look for Tomlin. Like you really didn't know about this guy. And I know that now what Rudolph's been doing is like, wow. Did you see him in the Baltimore game? He he was pretty pretty mediocre that one it was like well that's a deluge you throw that entire result out no you can't judge anybody on that but the two preceding games he was he was dynamite i am fascinated to see if a real good defense and a huge spot gives mason rudolph looks and it's like ah oh, come on come on the moment's too big for you man you're mason rudolph but if he wins it it's it really is going to be fascinating because if they somehow win that game they go to charm city if they don't win but the Browns win in Houston. They go with Joe Flacco to Charm City. Either result is marvelous stuff, um, as are pretty much all these games. You know, Bucks Eagles, we talk on the 15-minute show about that. It's like, mm, Monday night, kind of where it belongs. I'm not terribly intrigued by that one. But even that one, like, as bad as the Eagles are, people are just riding what they saw and kind of have recent amnesia about it is a an inversion of kind of like uh, what have you done for me lately everybody's like yeah they were in the super bowl and they were dynamite for most of the season like ah let's just ignore what happened down the stretch 
they stunk down the stretch. They're real bad. The Bucks should win this game. I'm surprised the bookmakers even have the Bucks as a dog at home there, right? I think that might be based on that nine zip stinker in week 18 against the Panthers. Hmm. Because, yeah. you know, the thing is, like, is Jalen Hurts hurt? It's like, what's how's Baker feeling? Um, uh, but all right, or, or what are we doing? Are we doing some more goats? Or are we doing no, no, no? Okay, I'll, I'll blow through real quick. Um, yeah, very quick. One back to the Patriots. The person who spent money to make a jersey as a New England Patriots fan, and you had a ticket to the game to go and see uh, Belichick's last game as the head coach, presumably, and you wore what did it say? Spaghetti sorrow. What did it say on the back of the jersey? Did you see that? Oh, yeah, that's like, story. Oh, you meant. Well, no, yeah. there's a, there, were, there were shots going around of, of a Patriots fan. Um, sadness, I think is what it said. Sad, like, you're you're sad that you're a Patriots fan? Like, do you, I mean, people get on me for being spoiled. I can't imagine Belly Aiken, the good goat, bad fans, Philadelphia Flyers fans for hitting up Kevin Hayes and saying uh, bad things about his brother who passed away because of the good goat, which is Cutter Gautier, before he even gets to Philadelphia, having the good sense as a young person to say, I don't want to play for that garbage team, the Philadelphia Flyers, the filthiest of all teams in professional sports. So he bails and refuses to sign with them. And then all of Philadelphia gets mad at Kevin Hayes because there are alleged links between him and the kid who didn't want to sign with the Flyers, their first round draft pick. So now he's gone. It delights me because it's the Philadelphia Flyers and I'm a Penguins fan. I will always be tickled by stories like that. And now a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply spaghetti quickly uh well I'll, I'll just piggyback off of that because i have the opposite of you uh i my bad goat actually is cutter gautier and anyone who is attacking kevin hayes um i love the organization starting with john tortorella their head coach saying like i don't know cutter gautier from a hole in the wall daniel briere saying like he told us he wanted to be a flyer he was under our, you know in our organization for uh, a few years and then he no longer wanted to be so he moved on from him keith jones said publicly uh if you don't want to be a flyer we'll make sure you're not a flyer their ceo said that he feels bad for him because next time he comes back into the uh, the arena they're going to boo him um you know it's strange to get drafted by an organization and say you, you like your mom 
mom grew up there. Like you, you uh, resemble what, what it means to be a flyer. And then uh, apparently, you know, the, the, a lot of the locker room didn't, he didn't seem to gel with them. Uh, a lot of uh, people were rubbed the wrong way from his attitude. And this is obviously coming off of the world juniors where the team USA won, and he was part of that team. Uh, and then the Kevin Hayes rumors all started because of he- Kevin Hayes, when he was a flyer also went to Boston college where he currently attends. Um, and then obviously Kevin Hayes moving on to St. Louis and they're saying that he was the one that told him to leave. Uh, I don't think that's the case. If you know anything about Kevin Hayes does not really check out with him, but I love an organization saying like, if you don't have confidence in us, like screw you, see you later. And again, I'm wearing full Rangers garb today and I know Shaq, you hate them, but I like the organization. Did I don't that. hate them. I, I, I don't, I don't think them. about them at all. Well, that's fair. I just, I, I'm glad the NHL in a way, like, I don't want it to become what the NBA is where the players have the power. So this one is like, Hey, we're going to get a second round pick. We're going to get a really nice player slash prospect from the, uh, from the Anaheim ducks. And we're going to move you on there out to orange County and we'll forget about you. And, um, it just seems like, you know, he was kind of creating this like cancerous sort of, um, you know, area in their, in their organization. So, uh, they removed that. And I, I've never seen a team act so harshly towards a guy like that. So that was a uh, good, on them, but bad job by you, Carter Gauthier, for kind of, uh, you know, falling, uh, you know, blowing smoke up there, you know what, for a couple seasons. So um, I, I'm, I see the little bit differently than you do. Um, you saw this story, right, Hench? I thought it was, by the way, in history, finally, it's some <clears throat> revenge, even though the Penguins weren't involved in this. Do you remember, Hench? Oh, well, I know you remember Rich and Ron Sutter, uh, two of the Sutter brothers. They're twins. And Ron gets drafted by the Flyers, Rich by the Penguins, and they start their respective NHL careers. And about a month or two in, if I remember, I think it was like 1982-ish, Rich Sutter misses his brother and asks for a trade. And so they trade him to the Flyers because he missed his brother. What a weirdo. Um, (laughs) You deserve it, Flyers. I don't know like, if we have the capability of, of like actually measuring when listenership drops off (laughs) because I want to see if more people dropped off after I had been talking for 40 minutes about Bill Belichick or after you guys were talking for 40 seconds about the Flyers. I got news for you, Hench. Guess what? We only got like three more weeks of football and then what the hell else (laughs) do you think we're going to be talking about? In fairness to us too, this became this became actually a very popular NHL story, like spitting chicklets. It was all. a big like, one. It, yeah. it was a really big story. Like, um, that's like that's a thing. Very popular NHL story. Um, like, yeah, I guess there's a little uh, <laughs> asterisk on that. All right, I'll bring it back to football, the America sport. Um, and actually, this pod went perfectly because. Hench talking about Bill Belichick for 40 minutes is exactly why I wanted to get into my actual good go for this week. The week started off where, you know, a couple of coaches were fired, knowing that was really a shock. And then Mike Vrabel happened and we thought, oh, wow, like the Titans are full blown morons. Mike Vrabel is a great coach and squeezing the most out of them. And then we get Pete Carroll and you're like, oh, wow, Pete Carroll off the top of my head, probably at worst top. 2015 head coach because of what he done in both college and the pro ranks. Uh, and then you get right. Nick Saban and then Nick Saban has a little bit of time for people to talk about him. And then unfortunately for Nick Saban, you get Bill Belichick. So um, I knew that Nick Saban's like kind of shine was going to wear away because of Bill Belichick. And I do agree with Hench. He is the greatest coach and it's, and it's a different, you know, people just don't seem to value college uh, as much, but Saban for me is getting my um, good goat here. Number one, because I weirdly don't know, you know, football without him or without Belichick or Pete Carroll for that matter. So for That's me, interesting given your age. Yeah, you're right. Missing. Well, you never saw any, you never watched football before those guys. How funny. I, I, I mean, look, I remember Saban at 
LSU, obviously. I remember the, the Dolphins stint. I remember um, before then, not really as much. But anyway, I Saban being this mainstay, especially in Alabama for 17 seasons, and uh, I guess I have a different perspective on him than me. One of our friends, like, you know, Sully Sheck, for example, like people who wrote for Tennessee or Auburn are going to hate Saban. They're glad he's gone. Sure. But for me, being a, a fan of a non-SEC school, just like – it, it was like an accomplishment to beat Alabama. It was an accomplishment to outcoach Nick Saban. I mean, for a guy that has literally, he sends more people in the first round of the NFL draft than he has losses, like 44 first rounders, 29 losses, like in his four years, uh, if you play for him for four years, you have at least one national title um, in a 17 year stretch. Like it is just unmatched. And yes, recruiting for him obviously came easy, but it also came easy for other schools. Like it wasn't like there was no Georgia's. There were, there were no Ohio States. There were other schools that were doing that. He was just better than you at that's, it. I think that's you at it. It's sort of like, why is Ali the greatest of all? Because he was fighting Frazier and George Foreman and Norton and so on, you know, Saban, you got like the point I make about Chaz Noel all the time. Who was he? He was beating Tom Landry's Cowboys in, in multiple Super Bowls and the Raiders and all the rest of them. Saban was doing it in, in the SEC. He mm -hmm. he ruled the SEC, the, uh, the understood perennial best conference in football. It is remarkable. And the but, thing but I think. Hold on, hold on. Because there's just so much to process here. I have so many questions for you guys because you, you follow college football more closely than I do. So first question is, when you have lots more first round draft picks, you lose fewer games. Is that how that math works? Like if you if you have a team full of first round draft picks in the NFL, you lose fewer games. No, like I know, but think about who he players at every position. You win the championship. The second thing I would say is like, yes, people care less about college football than the NFL in the same way that they care less about high school football than college football. And they care less about pop Warner than high school football. Like who can it's like you, if we did a podcast about triple a baseball, it would be insane. Like there's the big leagues where Belichick coached and there's the minor leagues where Saban dominated with all his first round NFL draft picks. So it's like, you go out for recess. You go, okay, guys, let's play touch football. We get the first 10 picks, and then we'll see who wins. But there's a certain, yeah, you know, the, the, the irony the irony of the Patriots' run in the free agency era is that they kept their central figure beyond the head coach, Tom Brady. There were moving parts all around him, but they had that going for him. It really was more severe for Saban, arguably, because that experience, if you're a college fan, is – like you get used to like that guy's on your roster, but don't get, don't get to know him too well. Cause he's going to be gone in three years. And like that, that constant reloading. And I know that then it becomes a machine. Like you want to go to the NFL, go to Alabama, but you still have to have the figurehead winning those conversations, living room by living room over, you know, at one point Pete Carroll and then Dabo and all the other guys, Ohio state and Michigan and everybody else, let alone your regional rivals. And he kept winning those. I think the thing on a human level is the idea that like Bob Knight was a pain in the till the day he went bill Belichick. Oh, if you know him, he's a really funny guy, but okay. He's still presented as a curmudgeon all the time. I think it's, I think it is actually kind of cool that in the middle of his dynasty, Nick Saban, had enough sense to realize, like, I don't have to be this big a pain in the all the time. And he started to have a sense of humor and do commercials and seem like a relatively fun guy. Good for him. 
everybody, all the, all you uh, pain in the butt coaches, cut the crap out. You don't have to be a one dimensional soul who's a jerk all the time. I thought that was a nice thing about Saban down the, de- you know, down the stretch of his run there at Bama. But, yeah. I'll give you that. I agree. Okay. And the final thing I'll say too, and, and again, not to, you know, poo poo uh, Belichick's career, but when the Brady Belichick split happened, the aura and the being afraid of the Belichick thing sort of went away in a sense where I'm not as like, oh, it doesn't jar me as much. Like a Belichick not in New England anymore, like he's going to move on to the team, I guess. Um, and he'll be, you know, a figurehead there, if not head coach. But whereas like, Saban's gone. It's like, what did he do in his final year? Oh, he took a really bad team with a flawed quarterback and was a fourth down stop away from beating the eventual national title. Like that's why Michigan was so was a, the, we talk about the spread not changing for a month because like, that's how much fear Saban still was uh, putting into your brain. And that's why Martin White's talking about like, I wish they were playing any school, but Alabama, because you know what Saban brings to the table. And I just think that's remarkable. Wow. Um, and I, I, it is leaving a void. I, I agree, and that's my last thought for the episode is I do think that that you know went away a little bit over the last five, maybe even 10 years, but there was a stretch, and it was a decade long at least, where if you were a really good team or a fan of one of those teams in the NFL, it was like, we got to play the Patriots. You could feel that mystique from the other sideline coming through. Like You could see coaches and players making mistakes because of how badly they feared Belichick mystique. I think that's uh, that's uh, a, a great uh, way to go out here. So let's do that. Great stuff by you, Kevin Hench. We appreciate all the memories from a Patriots fan point of view. Um, we're going all NFL this weekend with our best bets. Be on the lookout. It'll be out in a matter of minutes or maybe is already out, depending on when you're listening to us. The 15-minute NFL pregame, getting you right for all six of those wildcard games. Deep dive on each of those. Look at that on YouTube. Give us a comment. Give us a like, uh, retweet all the rest of it on, uh, on Twitter. Yes. Kevin Hench. Uh, okay. So my picks, this is, I'll get real quick. Okay. Uh, I like the chiefs to cover against a really decimated dolphins team. Don't give them all. Give your, give your two favorites. How about my two favorites is, okay. is, is chiefs chiefs to, to beat the dolphins and cover Cowboys to beat the Packers and cover. And then spoiler alert, cause I'm going non-chalk. Cowboys over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I love it. I love you being bold, but that my that I have now for six or eight years kept saying it's 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 the most rotten thing to keep pointing out. It's it, it's so unsatisfying. But if you have a buy, you have a I don't I don't have no math, but you have a way better chance. Let's put it that way of getting to the Super Bowl. And the Ravens and Niners, unlike the Tennessee Titans, who were just in a bum division and things broke their way a couple of years ago, you can tell Baltimore and San Francisco are the two best teams in their respective conferences. They get to play one less game than the other teams that have to vanquish them. I'll take those two teams. I know well, it's the lamest it, thing in the know, world, but it, I think uh, I, I keep pointing to that. I'll look at the teams with the buys. Those are the ones that get to the Super Bowl. I have to stand with it now. The, if the Ravens have to play the Browns in their first playoff game, they they may they may play uh, two fewer games than other teams in that conference. Dave Rabel might wait on. I tried to. I, uh, I, is it premature to pick the Browns against the Ravens? Go yeah. ahead, do it now because we'll have right. the date on it now. January eleventh, middle of the day. Kevin Hench announces that the Cleveland Browns are going to beat the Baltimore Purples, which would be some talk about some justice. Some uh, some revenge. Um, all right. 
Eddie Spaghetti gives you his Super Bowl pick. I'm not even going to share it here because I, I want you to keep that appetite wet. And uh, I hope it's nice and snowy wet in Buffalo. Not windy, though. I don't want any jive. Enjoy no, the, the play. The worse it is, the better for you. The worse it is. Like, that 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 thunder and more thunder backfield, I those running backs, you know, guys bounce off Warren. It's weird how, you know, because he's not huge, but he he's like he's like Christian Okoye, the way guys bounce off of him. And so I think he's got a lot of Maurice Jones drew to his game. He's very he's he's short, but is compact and a, a bowling ball. So I I you know, you should you should want wind and slush snow is good that wind that the patriots and bills played in a couple years ago that was just like what the hell i mean what, this game has no meaning well you, you can't evaluate anything but if listen if they can survive and their their prize is a trip to charm city for round three with mason rudolph going up there with a win in tow which would mean he has the same number of postseason victories as lamar jackson Oh, it would be delicious. And I don't think that just would be true for Steelers and Ravens fans either. I think football America would go gaga for that. But we have the wild card to focus on. And I'll say it one last time. These are the good times. If you're belly aching about your team and you're in the playoffs, pipe down. We have to focus on important matters here. I'm wearing from my, my forever pal Dick Banks the shirt that he gave me once. It's made of terrible towels. Come on, do it for Cope. Do it for the old man. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Good luck to your team this weekend. I hope they win unless they're playing my team. We'll talk to you on the other side of the weekend. Oh, I'm on Trendy with Toby Mergler this week. Make sure you're checking that out. He had some really good stuff, Hench. You'll really enjoy his breakdown of refereeing and his ideas to fix it on the latest Trendy. Spaghetti and Jen Piacenti doing waiver wired. We had Martin Weiss, Sarah Tiana, and I did to review Michigan and get into some some of that Joe Coy stuff. Really fun uh, episode on Extra Points. Check out all the great shows on the Extra Points Network. And now we'll talk to you on the other side of the weekend. Until then, it's been a thin slice of heaven. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.